Welcome back to The Deeper Cut, a podcast ministry of Mercy Hill Presbyterian Church. My name is Tim Pasek. I'm a ruling elder from Mercy Hill, and I'm delighted to be with you here again this week. I'm joined, as always, by our pastor, Phil Henry. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Tim. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, new date and time this week, but looking forward to the conversation. It'll be good afternoon um, talking about this week's sermon from uh, the Mercy Hope pulpit. Amen. So, so how's your week been thus far? <clears throat> it's been a good week where I'm uh, working on some sort of fall, early fall yard projects. Mm. And planting some, this is my grass planting season, so... I've been doing farmer fill activities <laughs> in my spare time. Have you recruited any farmhands for this work? I've thought about it, but um, we, we had the, the Brothers of the Stump about a month ago. Mm-hmm. About eight guys descended upon our property to help break up some stumps of some trees that we had felled earlier this year. But mm-hmm. the grass and the, the planting has been mostly me. My my partner is Polly, but she has a lame foot at the moment with some tendonitis, and so there's a little added pressure on me to get it all done. And Rocky is, is unfortunately no help to you. He's Rock- probably a hurt more than a help when it comes to the new grass. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. He uh, supervises when he can. <laughs> He's quite good at that. He's a good foreman, I, I would imagine. Well, excellent. Well, I'm glad that you've had a good week thus far, and it's hump day, so hopefully this will lead us into a good latter half of the week, mm-hmm. too. Before we get any further, we have, um, I don't even want to call him a guest anymore, you know, just the, the third member of the team um, at this point, uh, back in the studio this week, but maybe you could do your regular intro. Sure. Welcome back, Rich. Thanks for joining us again today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Your uh, your daughter isn't with us. She she adds she raises the uh, the beauty quotient substantially oh. when you come. And the intelligence quotient. Too. The intelligence quotient as well. <laughs> but we're glad to have you, and thanks for your um, so you're you're being flexible a little bit with our adjusted time and uh, your loyalty to the ministry, of the word at the church, even as a fairly new member is uh, much appreciated. And speaking of membership, yeah. congratulations on your yeah, official joining yeah, of the you. church. Yeah, what a wonderful Sunday it was in Mercy Hill. I mean, a busy was, Sunday for sure. Was, yeah, but that's the best kind of Sunday. I mean, I don't, I know you have a lot of stuff going on. So no, I, I love it how, too. Yeah, I love it too. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, new member Sunday, baptism in the afternoon. It's just pot, church potluck. Um, one of the guys turned to me, I'll keep him anonymous for now, but one of the guys turned to me and said, so is this the beginning of the weekly evening service at Mercy Hill? And I just gave him a big grin. I said, "Eh, you know, we got to talk about that. We certainly are not going to do a baptism every, uh, every Sunday evening. Not unless we have to. I don't think, all right, I'll I'll correct. I don't think we'll do an immersion baptism every Sunday evening. Probably not. Not unless we have to, right? Right. So, no, it was it was a great Sunday, and and part of that, or, or probably the in my mind the the biggest part or the biggest focus of all that was um, the word being preached. So thanks for your efforts there, Phil, as always. And we had a 
I don't want to call it a special sermon, but it was, we've wrapped up First Peter, right? Put a bow on that. That was our last podcast episode. Um, our sermon last Sunday was uh, Dr. James Leary finished his four-part sermon series on the life of Peter, um, which was excellent. So he he was in, um, that was John, right? Acts 4.12. That the men that's right were, that's right were the, the the Jewish leadership were shocked at the preaching yeah, of Peter at the preaching my mind always wants to go to Peter on the beach with Jesus as the end of right you know but yeah it was acts right and then um, so this week was I mean dare we say a, a two-part mini series basically yeah, that's basically what it is yeah so maybe can you frame it for everybody um, kind of what that plan was. That we have half of it to go this mm-hmm. upcoming week, but sure. Well, the 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 fall sermon series begins after our Bible conference, which is in two weeks on yeah, Saturday, September twenty third, twenty third, and one of the speakers at the conference will be the preacher on that Sunday. So the first Sunday in October will be the beginning of our. F- uh, fall sermon series about 10 messages on the patriarchs which by the way is intended to continue the idea that have been developing in Peter somewhat continuing to develop that um, I hope to emphasize throughout that series we're going to go through Abraham and Sarah Isaac and Rebecca Jacob and Rachel and Joseph in in that portion of Genesis and kind of sample those characters, the patriarchs and the matriarchs of Genesis, showing just the unusual way that God used them, Hmm. but with kind of a contemporary emphasis on the importance of the family, the importance of modern-day patriarchs and matriarchs who see their role as teeing it up for the coming generation to carry on the part of the promise that we've been given but can't affect ourselves. It's going to have to be affected by our children or our grandchildren if the Lord tarries. So there's kind of a family focus on the mission of the church this fall. Mm. And so it seemed good before we jumped into that at a transition time in in the preaching series to actually take a look at our church's mission statement and at at least one version of our vision statement mm-hmm. um, and and to kind of um, spend some time thinking about that as a congregation. Yeah, and that's... It's appropriate for this time of year for us, too, as a church, because we always... Um, you know, our, our church anniversary is kind of be- end of September, beginning of October. So we're often thinking about that. This is the second year we've done the Bible conference. So it's a kind of a special weekend in a way. Mm-hmm. We try to invite and welcome other people into our church. We happen to have, pres- we're hosting Presbytery this upcoming weekend. Mm-hmm. It's a busy month. It is. I think about it, September. It but um, yeah, good time to definitely not reset, but just kind of refocus a little bit. Um and the church winds up following the academic calendar sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not woodenly or rigidly, but 
their September as a, as a new season for students, and we have a number of students in the church, mm-hmm. young, younger students and uh, college and grad students. So there's a, there's a feeling in the air at our, in our church because we are on campus of a new start. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, gentlemen, this is a football sort of a sermon, getting back to basics <laughs> makes sense. So um, this past week was a sermon considering the mission of the church. And this upcoming Sunday is about the vision, or at least one iteration of the vision of the church. So how would you define those two things? Great question. So <clears throat> first of all, I would, I would acknowledge that organizations with mission statements are typically secular organizations, think Marriott or Chick-fil-A or some other organization like that. It's often on a plaque in the lobby or something. And uh, sometimes pastors, church planters, and people who, who are kind of church practitioners are criticized for borrowing a secular practice and importing it into the church. So I want to acknowledge that that critique is real. Um, Part of the critique is that the church already has a mission statement. So Rich or Tim, Tim, you might know this because we've talked about it before, but I'm not putting you on the spot, Rich, but if you had to come up with a Bible verse that gives the mission of the church, um, I might even give you the hint. The Great Commission of right. the Church. Do you know what that verse is? No, I don't. Basically, Jesus, at the end of Matthew, says, Go into all the world. And tell everybody about me. Tell everybody about me. Yes. And it's there, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Actually, why don't you look that up and, and we'll read it. Matthew 28, 18. So, um, to put this verse in context, it comes at the end of the Matthew. Gospel of Matthew. It's spoken to the eleven. Um, Mark has, in his longer ending, has a has a kind of an equivalent phrase: "Preach the gospel to every creature." Mm-hmm. Luke. It's different mm-hmm. with Luke. Luke's ending is concentrating on the Emmaus conversation. Yep. But he does have a kind of denouement or a kind of a final statement and John is is essentially Jesus is talking to Peter um, and it's kind yeah, of and John right a little bit yeah Peter and John, John both yeah yeah well, what about him well who cares about him I'm just talking to you Peter <laughs> yeah, right. you know Jesus is, is never good enough for Peter you know he never he never gets there but uh, Matthews is kind of the the locus classicus of what is the church on the planet for? So why don't you read it, Rich, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. So I've read 
as a church planter, I've read lots of books on church mission and vision statements. I've even read some secular books on kind of mission and vision in, in, the, in the corporate realm. And I've found it necessary to define my terms because they're used differently mm-hmm. depending on who's talking about them. So I take the Great Commission of Matthew 28 as the mission statement for all Christian churches for all time. No creativity needed. And anything that we're doing that departs from Matthew 28, 18 to 20 should be seen as suspect at best, if not a grave error. But because people are who we are, I don't just get up and read the Bible and then sit down. I get up and explain it and apply it in creative and interesting ways with illustrations and analogies and, and prayerful, timely kind of applications and such. I think taking the Great Commission, which belongs to every single congregation, faithful Bible-believing congregation, and adapting it in a creative way for our specific church is something like preaching a sermon on a passage. So uh, my sermon slash mission statement of Matthew 18 that I proposed to the Board of Elders years ago was helping people thrive in Christ. And that to me was a, uh, so I define a mission statement, it it has to fit in a coffee cup. It's got to be, hence easily memorable. And it, it needs to be able to be connected, easily connected to Matthew 28. 18 to 20. And thriving in Christ is, in a nutshell, what it means to teach, to baptize, to teach people to observe all that I commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, through the authority of Christ until his return. That's what it means to thrive in Christ. And so that could have been my text for this Sunday. Mm -hmm. But um, I chose a different text because I wanted to focus on the meaning of thriving, particularly the meaning of how to grow as a Christian. Mm. And so uh, a mission statement is, to repeat, a creative summary, short form, of Matthew 28, 18 to 20, that resonates with your particular congregation and captures the imagination and evokes and inspires action that is supportive of what Jesus says in Matthew 28:18-20. The vision statement, which is next Sunday's sermon, in kind of in my lexicon, is you take that mission statement and you stretch it out by five to ten years in a number of areas of ministry of the church. If we're being true to this mission statement, what would we expect to see, say, with Christian education or with church planting? or with the preaching ministry of the church, the men's and women's discipleship ministries, the youth, these kinds of things. And so you might think of a bold, audacious um, idea or, mm-hmm. or, or accomplishment of the mission of the church in five to ten years. That will be part of our, our vision. And then a goal in my uh, uh, church plant or lexicon would be Okay, if that's where we want to get to in 10 years, then what's the next step this year that moves us towards that, that long-term vision?
Thanks. That's helpful. I've, I've heard you explain that a couple of times in session meetings and whatnot, but I always find it helpful to kind of ground the conversation mm-hmm. when you're talking about mission and vision, because I think they're sometimes wrongly used interchangeably or visions become missions and missions become mm-hmm. visions. And, you know, if you're doing it that way and there's no real definition behind them or difference then why bother <laughs> that it feels a little bit like an exercise in uh, futility yeah. or or you're just doing it because you want to be cool or trendy um and so uh, if we're going to utilize this kind of framework of a mission and a vision as a church mm-hmm. i do find it to be important that we ground it every single time yep to make sure that it it's helping us advance to biblical faithfulness. Yeah, that's good. And I think it's also really helpful and, and something maybe we can spend a couple minutes doing it now just as an exercise of, you know, I, I like what you said that the mission is kind of, it's coming out of Matthew 28, right? So it's not detached from that. It's not just whatever you want the mission of your church to be. It has to be attached to the mission that the, that Jesus gives yeah. the church, his body. That would seem important. Um, so maybe getting into the sermon that, that you preached, so that was John 15. Mm-hmm. The true vine is what you called the sermon, but I am the vine. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe let's think just for a minute, if we can, the connection there to Matthew 20. You already kind of talked about it a little bit sure. because... You used Matthew 18 as the bridge there, which is our mission statement, helping people thrive. Um, so maybe that maybe that has already been discussed. But well, um, yeah, it it uh, Matthew and John speak in so very different ways, don't they? You know, Ma- Matthew makes everything explicit and it's the longest gospel mm-hmm. and um, Matthew was a tax collector it's known to have a Jewish flavor to it although all four gospels have it their own kind of Jewish spice or Jewish kind of there's kind of a, a tone that's that's Old Testament you know all the gospels are really rooted in the Old Testament in some way and this 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 sermon shows how deeply rooted in the Old Testament John is because of the vine image is so prevalent in the Old Testament. Um, looking at John 15 and Matthew 28 side by side, it almost feels like two sides of, of the same coin. Yeah. Of what is the mission of the church as spoken by Jesus himself. One side is the actions and activities that the disciples are to engage in under, with and under and through the authority of Christ in expectation of his return. So it's very uh, didactic, like it's almost a checklist. And John is saying, whatever you do as part of this church, do not dare do it apart, apart from, from Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And so it kind of acts as almost an overarching theme for Matthew's great commission. 
is the intimate, close union and communion that the believer, as part of the local church, has with his ascended Lord. Would you say that the the, the checklist items, so to speak, in Matthew 28 could be argued to be the bearing fruit in some way, shape, or form? I think so. Of John Fisher? Sure, well, if, if, if we're rich... Phil and Tim are making disciples. Um, Rich, you and I spoke with a, a newcomer to the church a couple weeks ago, a fellow that happens to live down the street from me. Um, he's hitting hard times in his life, and I've since stopped back by his house, and we've had some good conversations. If you and I are, are making disciples with, with this fella or other men like him, and we're seeing them get better at the skill, kind of the art and craft of knowing the Word and then applying the Word in their lives, they're definitely more vitally connected to the vine. Hmm. So, yeah, so, so the whole point of discipleship is a closer union and communion with Jesus. And discipleship that doesn't emphasize our union with Christ sometimes gets dry and disconnected from the vine and it leads mm-hmm. to formalism. Mm-hmm. So that may be partly why I chose John 15 is because I hate formalism so much. <laughs> and it's such a, a deadly rot, even in the Presbyterian um, tribe. What are your th- thoughts? Any, any thoughts on that, Rich? <coughs> Since I've been coming to hear you preach, you've talked several times on um, hard topics, and you're going to follow Christ. Um, the family's being attacked, um, just in our society today. Um, but if you follow the gospel, you know them hard truths have to be told, mm-hmm. and everything that I've seen so far. That Mercy Hill, you know, you have a mission statement. Um, every church I've gone to, I think, had a mission statement uh, closely related. But they put the gospel first. And any place that I go um, that doesn't preach from the Bible or have a Bible, it's nice that you put it up on the screen for people, but I want, you should have the Bible in your hand. Um, I, I kind of run from them places. But... Uh, when I was in Iraq, there was a couple of things that I asked God to show me over. One was beauty, because it was horrible. And two, um, when I looked at the shadows everywhere we were at, I was thinking like World War II and people that walked on that ground before me, even back in Jesus' time. And I think um, when, you, when you're in a place where vegetation is hard to see or hard to grow, you know, so like the vine here, a lot of times um, the desert is big in the Bible. So a lot of places where they're at and where Jesus tried was the desert. And vegetation was very hard to grow over there. So you didn't see too many things with vines. Um, a lot of stuff like that grew underground. And I didn't know that until I went over there. You know, so I don't know if I went far no, that's, from what you're looking at, but that's, um, that's where my mind is right now. Yeah, you, you brought up a good, a good point. First, I heard you say, 
churches need to put the gospel first and hopefully our mission statement does that right. and, you, and that should guide the church in everything that it does not just your ministry I don't right. have a ministry it's Christ that's right you know so so that that was a big part of my message Richard you're, you're putting your finger on um, a, what I wanted you to hear though I didn't say it in so many words this church as long as I'm the pastor will hopefully by God's grace we will never um, we'll never let anything be of a higher priority than the gospel and whatever our vision is how whatever ministries we're involved in they're going to be it, it it's Jesus just just in the little bit of time you've been talking now a lot of the words you use ha, uh, are under attack and have been for a while patriarchy matriarch um, people's place in, uh, in God-given place in the world mm -hmm. where, we, uh, where we're supposed to be you know um, the family um, is everything's being under attack uh, attacked and undermined mm -hmm. you know so um, and that's why I feel so comfortable at Mercy Hill. No, because you're not up there like cramming stuff down people's throat. You're just pulling it right from the gospel, but you're talking about stuff that it's hard to talk about sometimes. Mm -hmm. you know, people don't want to hear it. And in the world, they have a way of, I don't know, like the more you see it, the more you get accustomed to it. Mm. And, you know, um, you kind of go to sleep, not like going through the motions. Right. They have a way of dulling your senses to stuff, and it's amazing how sneakily it happens right. over time if you let it. So it's an interesting point, Rich. Uh, your comment there, um, this sermon, Tim, on the mission of the church was intended to make a bold statement. We are going to be radically Christocentric in everything that we do. It's essential to our identity as a church. But Rich is pointing out that that so-called gospel-centered ministry or Christocentric ministry cannot become an excuse for avoiding talking about hard topics. Right. So we can't say, oh, this church is all about Jesus and then not touch on some implications and applications of that for our lives. And but neither can we become so focused on these social issues, conservative or progressive, that we lose sight of the gospel and thriving in Christ and being attached to the vine. What, what do you think, Tim? It sounds like First Peter to me. Sounds like a couple of your last sermons. So yeah. Been coming to the, Mercy Hill. We got a, we got a big dose of that yeah. this year already in Peter because that's... That's what Peter's that's what Peter's preaching to the yeah, church. He is. He really. Is. I mean in a nutshell, that's how I look at it mm -hmm. at least. So um my mind jumped back to um first Peter five, like six kinda of to the end. Mm -hmm. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of and I'm thinking, this is abiding in Christ. Mm-hmm. Peter and John are speaking, the, they're not using the same words, but they're speaking the same language here. 
and saying kind of the same thing. So I thought, I don't, I don't know what the reasoning was that you went John 15, but I thought it was a perfect follow-up from Peter mm-hmm. and what we'd been hearing. Because everything that we heard and Peter challenged us to think about in terms of um, submission, humbling ourselves, being sober-minded, um, being unified as the body of Christ, as, the, as, the, as a family of God, all these things, you, you can't do any of that without what, what John's talking about here. Mm-hmm. Right, and what Jesus is really talking about here, because it's Jesus' words mm-hmm. that John's recording. So, um, that is, and that's why I kind of asked. I guess I could ask the same thing about First Peter, but I had asked the question about Matthew twenty-eight and what what would be bearing fruit in that context. But I think if you if you go back to Peter, that's a lot of what he's talking about. That's the fruit that comes out of abiding. In the vine that is right, that is Jesus. So we have, without planning it, we had five or six people come into covenant membership on Sunday morning, and then two adult professions of faith on Sunday evening in baptisms. Mm-hmm. How does that tie into our passage of "I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser." thoughts on on that from either one of you and rich your family is one of the families that that became members so how is that uh, it was a bit of an accident meaning we had planned new member sunday before i knew it was going to be preached on this Mm -hmm. but in god's providence we see i think some converging of what was on display in the vows section of our service because new members make vows before God and the church makes vows before God to receive them. There's kind of a convergence between abiding in Christ, thriving in Christ, bearing fruit. Tim, what do you, what do you see in our, in the preaching passage that, that maybe the membership part of our service would illustrate? Yeah, well, I think the f- the first thing is that that immediately comes to mind is you know Jesus is the vine and you are the branches and so you are <coughs> you are in him and he is in you and that is of his doing the father's doing not of your own doing and that's that's membership mm-hmm. that's church membership and th- and not just specifically like Formal membership in the church, that's big C church membership. Right. right. That's being in God's family, being part of, engrafted into the vine to, right. to steal a different, right. a, a different right. imagery. Right. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. And that's a, that's a literal picture that we're seeing, particularly with the baptisms and the profession of faith mm-hmm. later in the day. Um, but then the other thing that it comes to mind is if you think of a vine that's stretching and growing and all the branches that are coming off of it. And if we're the branches, we're seeing that grow. Mm -hmm. And that would be local church membership, Mm -hmm. right? The growth of the local body of Christ that's growing. Um, And 
again, that's Christ doing that. So that's not because Phil and Tim and other people in the church did a great job of marketing and recruiting and doing all this kind of stuff. This is Christ building his church, you know, um, and we all grow together in that regard. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the vine is of one length and it just has a million branches on it. The, the vine's growing at the same time. So he's growing that church. So that means all of us are growing as well as, mm -hmm. as our it's church also a symbiosis going on in there because uh, Christ said, if you abide in me and I in you, then mm -hmm. you'll grow. So I think part of what drew us to stay was people being in Christ and feeling that there and seeing it, not just in the preached word, but how we were treated, how we were greeted, and people talking. And if you did that on your own, we, you know, it wouldn't come come through as you, you could spot it, right? And we were free, you know. So I think there's a uh, there's a buy in the passage you preach. Abide is in there. <laughs> Yeah, a number of you know, times. So it's yeah. not just um, you're reciting it, abiding, you know, you're being true. You're truly right. connected to Christ. The, the one other thing, and maybe you can elaborate on this, Phil, but, you know, you the true vine, right? And that's how Jesus starts this passage. I am the true vine. And so you had talked about going through the motions and, you know, <laughs> we could get distracted with things that are, are not really true or not really of of importance. And that's kind of the the goal of the church or a goal of the church. We're not, to, to use our mission statement, we're not just trying to survive in Christ. We're trying to thrive, helping people thrive in Christ, which is the true vine. So there is this idea to some extent of... Um, be focused on the right things, on the true things, and the good things. I think of First Peter: be sober-minded, mm -hmm. right? Um, comes to mind, and so that's also here as well. And you need the church to do that, right? If we try to do that ourselves as Christians, apart from the church, we are in a world of hurt. And I think you even said something to that effect, if I recall from mm -hmm. from the pulpit on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, all that's great, uh, really solid thinking. I want to add this in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So when I, at the end of the sermon, I focus my application on um, on the word and prayer and just as an aside I I would like to see our church as we try to accomplish things through Christ and on on behalf of Christ in the next five to ten years which will be next Sunday's message that the word and prayer are the primary means by which we accomplish those things mm -hmm. and not our planning or our money mm-hmm so that was intentional in, if I could say intentionally vague, in that on a sermon on the mission of the church, kind of the two big takeaways are, you know, 
after I said, if you don't believe in Jesus, that's the absolutely most important thing. Mm-hmm. If you do believe in Jesus, you're going to be pruned, which is to say, the father, as the vine dresser, has the, the pruning shears in his hand, and he's going to clip you. And it's not because he's angry at you. It's because he's seeking fruit from you. So with, with those things as kind of hopefully very obvious applications, we want to be a church that prioritizes new births and is a serious church, seriously joyful, but also seriously um, aware of the nature of the Christian life as one of trial and hardship, which is the Father's design. We're not going to hide that. So I'm, you know, by, by making those my first two application points, I'm saying this is who we are as a church. I, I hope you appreciate this focus. If you don't, this isn't probably the church for you. you know, I didn't say that from the pulpit, but that's, yeah. that's the intended message. With, with those kind of two obvious things stated, as we go towards more fruitfulness and more faithfulness, our primary tools are the word and prayer. And I think we need to get better at this as, as a congregation. Would you, would you add the sacraments to that? N- or no. where, where would you add that in? Because so I'm thinking this, ordinary means of grace. Sure. Word, sacrament, and prayer is a common mm-hmm. triple play that, that's used. Mm-hmm. But, um, and sometimes the pastor is called a minister of the word and sacrament. Um, sometimes we talk about word and spirit. Mm-hmm. But here I'm saying word and prayer, um, meaning the devotions of the church mm-hmm. are to be devoted, well, this is Acts 2.42, so devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, which is sacraments, uh, to the fellowship and to prayer. Yeah. So I'm bundling word and sacrament in, in my in, application okay. from Sunday. Yeah. But I'm thinking particularly that in our ministries of the church, in our families, individually that we're devoted to God's word, studying it, memorizing it, and applying it, yeah. obeying it. Amen. And to prayer, which is taking God's word and bringing God's promises to him, which he says, I will do this. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will hear and answer you if yeah. you pray in my name. Yeah. And so I think mission is broad, and so I wanted those applications to be broad. I haven't written it yet, but as I've been composing next Sunday's sermon in my mind, I have in mind applications that are quite a bit more specific. Like, I would like us to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, let's pray about this together. Let's, as, as elders, let's pray about it. As officers, elders and deacons, as leaders in the church, men and women, let's pray and see what God wants us to do in these things. You know, it's, a, it's, I don't know why this thought just popped in my head, but it's amazing to me that we are just a continuation of the church that Jesus established 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. you know. And so 
I think I often, without realizing it, I get caught up in, like, you know, we're doing our thing, and I don't think we're doing anything particularly novel. We're actually trying not to do things in a novel way, generally. Um, We're just trying to be faithful. But it often feels like we're out on, on a not on a limb, but we're kind of just doing our, like we're doing our thing. And I forget that we're so connected, whether we, want, <laughs> whether we want to be or not, we're so connected to the church universal and to Christ as the vine in that, that, um, you know, what made me think about it, Phil, is you said, you didn't say this from the pulpit, but this is our church, and this is not what you're looking for. We're not the church for you. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, that should be every church. There shouldn't be an option of, right. well, this is not the church for me. I'm going to go to the other one because they're going to do it differently. That's n- That really shouldn't be an option. That Every church should be the same in that regard, right? People do struggle with the apparent disunity of the church, especially Protestants, and... Um, um, just, there's, there's nuance. There's certainly. definitely nuance, and there's personality, and, there, and there's, culture, and there's know, things and language, like that. So. But the mission of the church is the mission of the church. To your point, if it doesn't tie back to Matthew 28, then you're not a church. You're not mm-hmm. part of Christ Church. So, at, and that common denominator is not, to, in my mind, it's broad, but it's not so broad that we should we should be completely distinct from one another Mm -hmm. as churches. It's a good point. And one of the things that I'm going to go off on a small tangent here, but one of the things I really appreciate about um, your pastoring of our church, Phil, is that you're often regularly reminding us and encouraging us to be in prayer for and involved with other believers, even other non-Presbyterians or Reformed folks in our area mm-hmm. i mean you you just as i was walking up to the house today i was reading the post about pastoral prayer schedule coming up and your encouragement to us to think about how we're praying for the church and praying for other churches mm-hmm. and not just in our presbytery i mean you have often prayed for churches down the road from us that are not presbyterian that you know we would disagree on some new nuance to things and but they're part of the church. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't mean to draw us away from the main topic here, but I really appreciate that about you, Rich. Do you I, was, say something? I was going to say I have two. Now i got three things. Hopefully I can remember them all. One, I was thinking, um, going through my Bible study, how cool God laid out his plan to save us, but how all the examples are still applicable today. Um, even... Um, the apostles, even with Judas betraying Jesus, um, you're going to have that. And how everybody has a living and breathing testimony to God. <coughs> uh, the second thing is, I, you know, um, looking back when I was 15 from not going to church at all to going to church as a teenager, and then it being a nightmare when I got home because my dad just didn't want us to go to church. Um, how fortunate and blessed I was to have uh, Pastor Ernest Breen 
plain as that. You hear him now saying, don't take my word for it, read it for yourself. You know, so I look for a Bible, pre, you know, a Bible-centered church, somebody that preaches from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And on the back of that, we don't, we're, we don't really get um, separated until man interjects their own version stuff into it. Now we're coming from the Gospels. Jesus taught us we have the example, but it's when we interject our own personal. Now the carpet should be red. This, that, whatever. Or this is what I believe. But there's no. You're you're taking stuff from the Bible, or you're you're. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but just I don't know where it goes awry. Good question. Um. So, I think to join your observation there with Tim's, um, I was taught by some really godly pastors years ago the, um, the idea of primary doctrines and secondary doctrines and being able to differentiate between the two. The, I think it's maybe Augustine who said in essentials, unity and in, in non-essentials diversity and in all things charity so essentials were to be one mm -hmm. in non-essentials there's a variety of viewpoints so my classic example of that is baptism and um, the time and mode of baptism is something that separates traditionally separates baptists and presbyterians i would call that a non-essential right gotcha. whereas the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins, that's essential. Right. And so my Baptist brothers and sisters, we share that essential belief in this centrality of the shed blood of Christ for the remission of sins. The two natures of Christ, he's fully God and fully man. The triunity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, these things, versus the time and mode of baptism moves into the second or third ring of uh, Sometimes I've heard it said, a closed-hand truths you can't compromise on, but the open-handed ones, Christians have to agree to disagree. So if a denomination or a Christian community forms on the secondary truths, I think Tim's point is we need to make efforts. Though we oh, oh, yeah, meet yeah, in separate yeah. fellowships to find expressions of our common central unity and so by one, one of the ways we can do that is by praying for these other churches. Even though we can't repair the divisions between us, we can joke and say, well, when Baptists repent of their theology, <laughs> but it's only a joke. And of course, they, right. they joke about us in the same way. You know, when Presbyterians give up the heresy of getting the babies wet, um, and then we hug each other and say, you know, we know this is a, a non-essential. Um, at the same time, I'm deeply committed to our practice of the sacraments. I, mm -hmm. I don't have it. I won't say I don't have any questions in my mind. I'm open to being shown from the scriptures. To your point, show me in the Bible. But um, I'm deeply committed to our practice, and and think my Baptist brothers are wrong. But I think they're wrong in a secondary, not in a primary way. And it isn't uh, incidental that. In two chapters, Jesus prays for the unity of the church. Father, would they be one in John 17, even as you and I are one? Mm -hmm. 
So I think the vine imagery in John 15 does point to the essential unity of all Christian churches of all denominational stripes and backgrounds, including the believers that we find, I would say, inconsistently are situated in the Roman Catholic Church and in the Eastern Orthodox Church. Um, so the unity is there. The focus of this Sunday's message, though, was the unity in our own fellowship right. and the importance that, that Rich, in your walk with the Lord, me and mine, and Tim, you and your walk with the Lord, just to take three men of the church, that we know that we're clean because of the word he's spoken to us and that we're pursuing further fruitfulness in our lives through the word and with an ever-deepening prayer life. So that whatever the leadership of the church tells us is our unique calling in the next several years. Let's say it's to start a Christian school. That's something that I hope that we can do. That we're not going to treat it as just kind of a business project. But at every point we're going to see our, our vision as a church as flowing out of our union with Christ and the fruitfulness that he requires of us. That's kind of my, my heart right. in this message. Right, and the, and the fruitfulness doesn't come from the business plan. No. Right. It comes from the ascended Christ, who's been given all authority in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28. Right, and in our abiding in him through word and prayer, to your mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. So, not that the business plan's a bad thing, not that we don't have a business meeting monthly as the session of Mercy Hill Church, but that's that's not where the fruitfulness comes. Right. If it's if it's a good meeting, whether even if it's a hard meeting, there's a there should be a sense in everybody there that we're feeling the life flowing influence of the vine, of the ascended vine in and through our work, as mundane as it might be. And if you are working through a disagreement with another brother or sister in the fellowship, you're doing that to make sure that your life doesn't in any way restrict the life-flowing influence of the vine in that other person's life in our church. Mm -hmm. not, a, not an easy task for sinners to, to no. accomplish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to rub shoulders and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, as we wind down this episode, I'm wondering, Phil, if there's any other applications that we can come to from what you preach that maybe we, you didn't talk about on Sunday or that has come to mind and, or rich, anything that you've thought of, to how we can apply this even in very practical ways, but particularly right. as, a, as a church. Right. Since most of our listeners, I'm presuming, are from, from, our, church, from our church or part of a church. True. Hopefully. Well, um, two things come to mind, and Rich, you can maybe comment on these things if you want, or Tim. But one, the, the sermon series for next year is in the letter uh, First John probably 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And the women's Bible study for the last few years have taken up the next year's sermon series in their fall Bible study, which I find just super cool. So uh, they're, they're studying the Word 
this fall so as to be better hearers of it in, in the spring. I would like to see four, five, six people uh, commit to memorizing First John. So I had thrown that out there a couple of weeks ago. I said, I have, I'm looking for some people who might be interested in memorizing some scripture with me. And I saw two hands, pe two people. So if I do it, and those two do it, and I drag Polly behind me because she does not <laughs> want to do it, but she's, I think she'd be open <coughs> to doing it. Uh, that's four. So two or three more people to two people. I could, to, try. We, we, I could try. I can't remember yesterday. And you see how I talk. I go. Understood. I that's I'll the try. one downside of doing a podcast is we can't see hands, Phil. No, we can't see hands. <laughs> we but can't see hands. we'll definitely uh, let whoever's listening pray about it. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. <laughs> the second thing is, I'd love to see a, a prayer meeting of some kind. And I'm thinking like Wednesday morning at 6, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., prayer meeting. Uh, maybe it's for whoever can come in person and then others who want to tune in. And we have cameras set up to make it easy to, to, to show and to share who's, who's present over the video. Maybe even if it's just video but a, a, a morning prayer meeting every week. And, and I would love to see, and, an, you know, I'm just dreaming at this point, but a, an hour-long prayer meeting on Sunday morning at 7 o'clock where we have five, ten people come on Sunday morning. You know, Spurgeon supposedly had the so-called boiler room, which was people that were literally praying all through the services mm -hmm. at the, the tabernacle where he was the preacher. Mm -hmm. And um, while Spurgeon's example of the boiler room may be a, a reach for us, certainly having 20-minute, 30-minute prayer session sometime on Sunday morning isn't is an imp is not an impossible uh, reach. So mm -hmm. those are those are two uh, thoughts: just committing to scriptures and committing to prayer, and pro possibly specifically committing to praying out the vision of the church, sort of praying it into reality as God will adjust it. Inevitably, he adjusts our plans. You know, the plans belong to a man, but the Lord directs his steps. So we're not being so bold as to assume that our plans immediately and actually match God's plans for us. We humbly submit or propose our plans to the Lord. We hear the wisdom of two or three counselors, you know, a multitude of counselors, we allow providential developments to adjust them. We allow the Spirit of God and His promptings to cause us to change them. But praying through the vision of the church, the mission and vision of the church in the next several years, that, I think that would be a, um, just a wonderful outcome of mm. this, this last Sunday's message. Yeah, I second the prayer thing. I think it'll help people with their own prayer life. And also a Bible study. Um, I'm getting ready to do Romans. I did Acts. So I'm getting ready to dabble in Romans now. So, and but, we're, uh, we are talking about starting a new men's study out your way, Rich. So, yeah, so like, um, I know I can read it and study it. Uh, I ordered a book with the study guide, so I'll do that. But um, Very good. Maybe, don't have maybe. my own, don't. Maybe that could be uh, the, the study guide that we use for our men's study. 
because I, as I've been praying about it, I haven't, I have a couple of thoughts, but nothing is kind of crystallized. But Romans would be, we started a men's Bible study in Romans a few years back and never finished it. But we could pick that you up. You actually converted me. I actually went and got an ESV Bible. I'm like, I didn't <laughs> okay. We didn't twist any arms or no, make no, any. I converted. Um, Very good. I grew up on King James, so no, I'm not sure if I like it or not yet. Well, I like the the tabs anyway that you have uh, there. Olivia hooked me up. That's pretty cool. She did her Bible like that on her own. I actually got these printed. Well, they're at the Mm -hmm. Nice. Last thoughts from you, Tim? Um, go ahead. So, go ahead, right, Last thing, um, I like how you said, um, if you're a Christian, you can't be alone. You know, so COVID taught us how to be alone. But um, anybody out there listening who likes to stream, I think you're really, well, I, I, no thing, you're really missing out on fellowship in the church. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, last word is thanks again for preaching the word so faithfully. I think it was a great sermon. I'm um, Sermons probably hit everybody like me. They, each one is a little different. Sometimes I'm forced into introspection. Sometimes I'm feel really guilty <laughs> um, this one i've just really energized by and i and i think that was a i don't know if that was a goal of yours but it seemed as though that was um kind of in keeping at least with talking about and thinking about the mission of christ church and of our particular tribe of that here at mercy hill and so um i'm just super encouraged i mean just based on what God has been doing, not if you take a a long term view of the history of Mercy Hill, you know, and you have the best perspective on that, Phil, and that's a conversation for another day. But um, it's amazing what God has done. And if you take the really, really, really short term view, and you look at just Sunday, and you see what God has done, and you go, how can you not be excited about? the work that God is doing in our midst. So, um, did, uh, in the bulletin that I prepared for our presbytery meeting, did you read the back of it? I, I did. So at the top, I yeah. did a little, you know, two sentence history of the church. This Saturday will be the 15th anniversary counted as in terms of presbytery meetings mm. of when the church was created. No members, you know, we mm -hmm. had, three elders that I had never met and I lived in Tucson, Arizona, and we had no money either. Certainly no meeting location, no address. Yep. But this is a, 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 an interesting and very kind of cool anniversary of the church, mm -hmm. in, at least in Presbyterian terms. I, I called it, they created a church by fiat. <coughs> this is now a church. It's a very Presbyterian thing. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's... It's amazing, and now we're all, I mean, you know, we're sitting in your study recording a podcast. Right. So. Um, and to the, to the point of Presbytery, hosting the Presbytery meeting. Yeah. On Saturday. Yeah, in a building. In a building. That isn't a warehouse or a bar or a pool house or your living room. Correct. So. 
um, yeah, I heard, I heard that we might be having a guest upcoming, and his last visit to Mercy Hill was when we were in the bar. Right. And that just amazed me. Yeah. You know, so anywho, um, just I'm really, really encouraged um, by what God's doing in our church. And I'm um, thankful to not only be a part of that, but for the reminder, Phil, from, from John's gospel, that it's not of our own doing. And that, again, the, the good fruit is not from Phil's master plan or anything that the session's doing in particular or anything like that. It's abiding in Christ and he in us and he's at work. So um, thanks, guys, for the time today. Great conversation. I'm really looking forward to next week's, too. We talk about the vision. That's this upcoming Sunday, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to make sure I get my dates correct. There's so much stuff going on. Um, maybe we can even... You preached a sermon once before, but if you want to spend some time next week talking about the First uh, Peter 5 sermon, too, that you're giving at Presbytery, because we have two worship services this weekend at mm-hmm. Mercy Hill. Presbytery worship, and if, if you are... Um, in the area, either part of our church or, or nearby, and want to come Saturday morning, we will have worship at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning as part of our presbytery meeting or prior to the business meeting. Breakfast at 8.30, so you're welcome to join us for that. I encourage you to, to do so. And then, obviously, our standard worship on the Lord's Day at 10 o'clock on Sunday. And then we'll, Lord willing, if if... He tarries, we'll be with you again next week to talk about perhaps two Phil Henry sermons for this weekend. So we'll keep you in prayer, Phil. And thanks again, fellas, for the time. Thanks for, to all of our listeners who tune in regularly. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have, or if you'd like to join us for one of these conversations, we'd love to have you in studio sometime soon. Um, that's all we got for this week. So we pray you have a blessed week and we'll talk to you again next week on the deeper cut. Thank you.